This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Take your Bibles to Luke 21. I'm going to speak to you just for a little bit and then we'll receive the body and blood of Jesus. I want to get back into this prayer teaching. It's been about a month since we've gone this route. But this absolutely relates to what the Lord is doing in America and in the nations. The scripture says in verse 36, this is, actually, let's start with verse 34. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpected, speaking of the Lord's return. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore. So this is the remedy. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Holy Spirit, teach us your word this morning and burn a fire in our hearts and open our minds, the, the mind of our hearts to the revelation of Jesus. Amen. One of the greatest things that ever happened in our healing ministry was the revelation that Jesus is bigger than anything my body or my mind faces. This sounds simple. It sounds childlike. Usually, that's how you know it's the Lord. I'll never forget reading a book to go. Pre I was preaching at Bethel Cleveland. I was living in Reading at the time. I was reading a book on the way to Bethel Cleveland. I did stop in Pinehurst to play three rounds of golf and win, uh, just in case you care. And then, and then I went from there. Uh, actually, flew with Michael Miller from there to Bethel Cleveland to do a healing conference together. And as I was reading the book, it was a very simple phrase. The man who was talking about the healing power of Jesus, he said, see Jesus as being much bigger than whatever you're facing. And that sounds so simple, but sometimes we become so busied in the heart and the mind uh, we become so aware of symptoms, aware of tragedy, aware of trauma, aware of how our mind is working and how we wish it would work differently, that we actually begin to become more aware of our need than the grand majesty of the King of Kings, who has no beginning and no end. Miss Kuhlman used to say, if you want to see miracles, become more aware of Jesus than your need. She also said, miracles happen when I become, or you become, when Jesus becomes, I should say, more real to us than our need. Now, Jesus is real whether we acknowledge it or not. Say amen. amen. But him becoming real to us requires the activity of the Spirit. It requires our attention. It requires us posturing our hearts to behold him. 
And this is what it means to magnify the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, the scripture says. How many of you know you don't grow God? (laughs) He doesn't need of, he's not in need of any fertilizer or growth hormone. He's massive. There's no place you can go and not find him. But he becomes magnified before the eyes of our hearts and our soul when we begin to give him attention. Our hearts become more inflamed. That fire begins to grow in us when we pour spiritual gasoline on the camp, I should say, on the candle of the Lord. And the scripture teaches, is the heart of man not the lamp or the lantern or the candle of the Lord? Have you ever wondered why in, in the, the revelation of Jesus, by the way, that John the Beloved writes, The Bible says his eyes are like a flickering fire. Have you ever wondered why his eyes are fire? It's because he is fire. Jesus said the eyes are the lamp of the body. They're not the light. They're that which exudes the light. Eyes don't lie. I've learned that in the ministry now. They don't lie. Speech can lie for about two hours. Eventually, the abundance of the heart comes flowing out of the mouth. Ah, if you want to know what somebody's really like, get them to be relaxed, get them talking, and the offenses will start flowing. Don't hang out around critical people. And I meant to say this today. This church will never, I will, I'll, I'll stop there. This church will never be an estuary and a gathering for offended critical people. The preachers do wrong all the time. Churches do wrong all the time. Do you know why? Because they're human beings. But what this will never be is the gathering of the offended who just like to migrate. In fact, I'm not sure you'd ever hear this, especially in a church growth culture, that this is not. This is a Holy Spirit, Jesus-loving culture. And the Lord grows it. You can't live for two things. You live for one. And the Lord gives you more than you ever dreamt of. If you left your old church the wrong way, you need to go repent. You actually need to repent. Now you're here. Most pastors would say, I'm just glad you're here. I mean, you're filling a seat. That's awesome. But this isn't about filling seats. This is about his glory, which is even requires a more meticulous building pattern than the anointing flowing. If God's going to make his home with you, hearts need to be right. Gifts can operate around mixture. But if you want a dwelling place for God, hearts need to be thrown on the altar. If you left your last pastor in offense, you need to write a letter. If you transitioned incorrectly there, if you don't repent, you will transition incorrectly here. Because time doesn't heal. Jesus healed. If time healed, people would become nicer as they get older. There's a a reason it's not called the grumpy young man. What that is is just a collection 
of unhealed offense. But I, I mean it. I would rather have a smaller crowd and a crowd that is walking in the fear of the Lord. See, these patterns are destroying the church because there's a Pentecostal migration. And well, this has nothing to do with prayer, but we'll find a way there. I'm just following the Holy Spirit. David knew this when the Amalekite boy said, hey, Saul's dead, and by the way, I took him out. He tried to kill himself. It didn't work. And he came to bring this great news to David. And he said, your enemy is dead. In other words, the kingdom is yours now. Soon Judah and Israel will be yours. You'll be the anointed king. You'll have everything you want. And I am the bearer of this awesome news. And David says, how did Saul die? I feel the Lord. I feel the Lord. He said, how did Saul die? Oh, I'm glad you asked. He was wounded. He didn't want to die by the hand of the Philistines. So he fell on his own sword on Mount Gilboa. And it didn't work. He was fatally wounded. So I walked up and helped him out. And in doing so, I really helped you out, David. And you would think David, like most pastors, would say, thank you so much for taking out somebody who has made my life a living hell. I'm called to the palace and I've been living in caves. When somebody tries to kill you for much of a generation, that's a rough day. And instead of rejoicing in the fact that his enemy fell and that there was a migration in the form of one little offended Amalekite, David looks at those around him and says, kill him. Can you imagine that kid, what he thought? What, kill me? I did you a favor. Why did David kill him? Because he knew the nature of sin. If you did it to my enemy, you'll do it to me. And by the way, we really don't have enemies that are flesh and blood. As long as people are your enemy, you will live as a victim. You can't carry your cross and not love those who hurt you. It is the call. It is the Christian life. This is Christianity 101. And what this church will never be are, is a place for fed up critical people to hide around a movement that is on whatever you want to call it, uh, that has some type of influence. No, no. May the glory of God shine so brightly here that your offense comes bubbling to the surface like worms after a rainstorm. And may they fry in the presence of the hot beaming sun of glory. That's the goal. Because the reality is this. If you left the wrong way, you will leave here the wrong way. See, Absalom's travel, they breed. It's what they do. And sometimes they're shrouded in the nicest tones. Oh, I mean, I love, I don't know, a pastor down the road. I love so-and-so down there. But just be careful, you know. That's how it starts. Or they just invite you over to hang out with them and minister to you. 
And once they start ministering to you, they don't necessarily have to attack someone. They just act like a victim in front of you. It's, it's manipulation at the highest level. That's not us. I said, that's not us. If you criticize your last pastor, repent. Now, I'm not saying you have to stay here forever at all. But the church needs to learn how to allow the needed Christian rub of true Christian fellowship to bring Jesus out of us rather than roll on each other, gossip on the way out, and then supposedly go support some other place. That's a tragedy. That's not us. We do not criticize here. We will not judge here. Clean up your last season. Clean that thing up. It's so important. That's why I'm so proud of David and Alicia, the way they transitioned from Tampa. It was like a one-year journey, wasn't it? Six, seven months, whatever. And the only thing I kept telling them is, you might be hearing the Lord, but you better get the blessing from your pastor. We need this again. I said we need it again. Siri's still listening to that. She listened to that whole thing. (laughs) I'm waiting for that thing to get transcribed. (laughs) So true, though. We need the Lord's glory here. The unveiled manifestation of his presence. That's what I'm after. If they had it in Israel under a lesser covenant, the church has, must not give up on the manifest presence of Jesus before us. And that requires the integrity of heart, the fear of the Lord, the, the awareness that the Lord is listening to every word. He's hearing every thought that he sees beneath what we try to do to cover up things that are really in there. Just what Joy Dawson taught me. The fear of the Lord, our lips free from deceit. That, that means that an I love you that's not real is not the fear of the Lord. That was good when it was just an average statement when I'm preaching. That's not the fear of the Lord. If you go, whoa, and it was just an average statement from me, that's not the fear of the Lord. Exaggerating a crowd, exaggerating growth, exaggerating stadium gatherings. None of that is the fear of the Lord. See, it requires a certain type of structure, a culture in place to house God. When the Lord says in Exodus 25, create for me a habitation, he says this to Moses, that I might come and dwell and live with you. First, they offer blood. When the blood is offered, Moses covers all of Israel with blood, he and the elders. That's three million people anointed in blood. A lot of dead animals. (laughs) A lot of dead animals. And they're covering the whole crowd in blood, using hyssop to do it, bathing them in blood. And the moment, the moment the Lord sees that they're covered in blood, he goes, I have an idea. I want to come live with him. You came up, but now I'm coming down. And the moment he introduces his desire to come and live with the people, the Lord gives the direction and the meticulous blueprint of the tabernacle. 
It's like, I want to come live with you, but I live with you on my terms. I said, I live with you on my terms. And so every color must be perfect. Every silver loop must be perfect. Every pillar must be perfect. Every fabric must be perfect. It must be the right measurement, the right color, the right thickness, must be positioned the right way, facing the right direction. And when it's all done, the Lord says, I designed it, you obeyed, I'll come live there. That's how it works. You don't think the Lord's a genie, right? Because we have these true teachings that thanksgiving and praise gives us an audience with God. Sure it does. But hypocrisy repels him. So what we can't do is live in a, in a, with a heart posture that is void of the fear of the Lord and think that I can come in and th- with thanksgiving and praise and the Lord just, no, 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 no. He hears it all, sees it all, feels it all deeply in his heart. He's still the man of sorrows. He gets it all. Are you with me? Let me give you two verses. <laughs> So the Lord here in verse 36 says, watch therefore and pray that you might be counted worthy. That's Luke 21, verse 36. Prayer, listen carefully. Prayer is more vital now than ever for the church. Prayer. Now, if you'd like to come, by the way, in the mornings, people are gathered here praying. On Sunday morning. What time does that start, David? Nine o'clock. If you want to come fill this place with the incense that goes up before the Lord and never dies, we invite you. The same thing on Sunday nights, right? People here early praying. Our team is in the back. Worship team. Praying for an hour. This is the time to pray. Second Thessalonians 2.11. Give me five more minutes. I'm not asking for it. I did repent before you. I'm just telling you that's, that's the plan. The most encouraging, one of the most encouraging verses for every pastor is when Paul is preaching and the young man falls out of the window because he fell asleep. Because it says Paul preached well into the night or morning. We're all encouraged by that. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 11. This is what I want to get at. This is what I want us to step into. Oh, it will take a lifetime. I'm going to skip that one. Let's go to Ephesians 6.18. They're all the same thing, just for the sake of time. Ephesians 6.18. This one is powerful and funny. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, this is in the Armor of God passage. (sighs) This one is funny to me. Because some charismatics actually believe that there's like an armor of God factory in heaven. You know, maybe on one side of the street of gold, there's the helmet distribution plant. The sword plant's probably closer to the throne. 
the breastplate somewhere near where, <laughs> I don't know, John the Apostle's mansion is. And we get them because there's this Holy Spirit conveyor belt with little angels there like elves, and they administer the different components of the armor of God. And God forbid you forget one when you're applying it. Because then you're going to get smoked. Okay. When Paul tells the church to put on the armor of God, he's saying put on Christ. So you can live with the armor of God on by simply putting on Christ Jesus. Now, verse 18 is connected to the armor of God because Paul connects prayer to the putting on of Christ. Now, he says here in Ephesians 6 that he is instructing us to pray always for all the saints at all times. That's tough. Okay, step one. How do you pray always if you want to be a great golfer? It's hard to pray and hit a driver. If, if prayer to you is simply verbal. How can you have a job? You know, if you are, worked at a hotel. Now, some people so don't understand this verse or verses like it that they... Uh, anyways, I'm not going to go there. If prayer was simply verbal, then how would you ever preach the gospel? All right, I'm going somewhere here. When prayer is eternal, internal, I should say, true prayer, when you pray, I touched on this a month ago, Jesus said, when you pray, say. To us, prayer is saying, but we don't get the breakthrough because we haven't waited for the praying to kick in, which is an internal disposition. The moment that kicks in, I can speak in faith. And that is where you find a continual prayer, unceasing prayer that the scripture talks about, or the praying always. Now, now I'm going to say something that may take you a while. Maybe, maybe you won't get it now, but you will. That is a greater goal in the Christian life than ministry achievement. Because when you realize why and what Jesus died for, and what he died to restore, you'll then realize the value of prayer. Prayer, which is fellowship with God, or what we call experiential union with God, is why Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead, and then poured out his spirit. He came to restore broken fellowship. Therefore, prayer is a holy manifestation of our salvation. Some of the fathers of the church would write it this way. Prayer is a manifestation of your baptism. In other words, when I pray and I enter into fellowship with Jesus, I am experiencing that which he came to die to restore. Does that make sense? Yeah. If prayer is only verbal, then I can't pray always. How could I pray when I'm sleeping? Anyone ever been woken up praying? That's proof you can pray while you're sleeping. I'm saying all this before a reason. 
And by the way, Jesus says in John 5.19, I do nothing I don't see the Father do. I do nothing. We're talking about a constant fellowship. He's the pattern. I mean, that's a high mark, but that's still the mark. Constant prayer. Part of that constant prayer is the verbalizing of prayer requests that is legal and needed. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Before we take communion, I want to ask you a question. Have your issues so bombarded you that you forgot to simply stop and ask for the breakthrough? That's the whole plan of those issues, the whole demonic plan to busy you with this swarm of bees. It busies you with the swarm of bees so you never get to the honey. And it so possesses us with fright and what if and we go down the road and then we meditate on what is not his promise and then fear is birthed even more and it creates this cycle of anxiety and issues and all of this stuff. And sometimes we're so religious because we talk about it with Christian friends that we forget to ask the Lord. So Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. Absolutely. Christian prayer requires the verbalizing of whatever he's putting on our heart in that moment or what we need. But my point is this. There is a place so deep in God. Help me there, Joel, would you please? There's a place so deep in the Lord where such a fellowship is available. that you can pray in the heart and preach with your mouth at the same time. And if you'll guard that, listen, if you will guard that internal fellowship of the Holy Spirit, if that will be your obsession to guard this fellowship, to not change it, to not sell your birthright for anything, Sin will be subdued. You'll walk in the fear of the Lord. And I promise you, if you find continual prayer, you will find your destiny. You'll never have to worry about forfeiting a calling for missions or church planting. If you find continual fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if you do, there won't be a church big enough for you. There's no people group too far gone. There's no sickness that won't bow its knee. God, listen, God, I'm speaking to you by the Spirit right now. God is looking for friends. God is looking for a bride that he can reveal himself to nonstop, 24 hours a day. That's what he's looking for. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795.
thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.